What is going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How we doing on a Wednesday? What's going on? Today's a Wednesday. Today's the 15th. It's been a weird day. I'm in an interesting place right now. I'm going to have a little sip of coffee here. I've been going decaf lately. We're going decaf coffee. What do you think about that? You know, and it's, it's still got a little caffeine. Caffe- the caffeine was just driving me up. A, I mean, I was just going nuts with it. I was getting all jittery and stuff. So we're on decaf lately. I'm liking it. And uh, yeah, what's happening with you? How's your world? Are you getting ready for the bracket tomorrow? Or the tournament tomorrow, filling your bracket out? Getting re- Are you filling out your 27th bracket in preparation for the start of the tournament? Hopefully so. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about the tournament, March Madness, uh, both a betting perspective and from a bracket perspective. So I'll kind of talk about both of those and give my general thoughts on a few teams, a few situations, and uh, things like that. So we'll get into that in uh, just a moment. Special thanks to Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is such a cool place to go if you like betting player props. Now, make sure Thrive is legal in your state. I've had some people contact me because they can't deposit or sign up or whatever because it's not legal. So make sure Thrive Fantasy is legal where you are. But if it is and you like betting player props, they offer daily fantasy style games like DFS games where you build a lineup with player props. They offer player prop parlays. So it's just really fun if you like uh, betting player props. Check them out online or download the app. That's Thrive Fantasy. Put in promo code SBD for a deposit match up to $100. All right, so let's get to it. Um, Betting the tournament and then the bracket. They're obviously two very different things. The, the the bracket you fill out now. You can't change, can't alter. And then the betting is, you know, obviously it's game by game. So a very different approach. And I've got some tips and some recommendations for how to approach each of them. So uh, let's start off with the bracket. I know a lot of people out there are doing a bracket. It's like the big thing this time of the year. So if you're filling out a bracket, there are a couple things to remember. The first is is I think the the most important thing filling a bracket out if you if your goal is to win right to win the contest whether it's an office pool you're at school it's it's a family pool it's an online ESPN pool if you want to win these it's going to be a very different approach and it actually kind of bleeds into what we talked about yesterday the game theory idea of the bigger the contest the harder it's going to be to win obviously we know that and and, and so what you're going to see is in these ESPN contests these people are going to have pretty much perfect brackets for the first like round or two. They may have like one miss. That, that's what it takes to win one of those compared to an office pool where you could have a horrible bracket anywhere else, but you could win between the seven people in your office, right? Or who filled out a bracket in your office. So the it's, it's really important to consider how big is the tournament you're playing in or the contest you're playing in. Because what you'll have to remember is the bigger the contest the more variance you're going to need. Or a different way to say it is, the more upsets or crazy things to happen you're going to need to get right. right? You're not only going to have to have a couple of those 12 seeds win and some weird things happen. You're going to have to get those games right. You're not just going to have to pick some upsets. You're going to have to get the correct upsets. So, you know, the smaller the contest, if you're just doing it like four, five, six, probably under 10 people, I would just go with a lot of the chalky picks, right? Go with a lot of the favorites, uh, see who's favored, pick them, right? That, that's a very easy approach for the best mathematical way to try and increase your odds or maximize your odds to win these contests. So the smaller the contest, don't get nuts. Don't get all cute with it. Don't get crazy picking every single 12 seed, picking a 16 to be to one, picking a 15 to be to two. If it's a small contest, right? 
And now if, if it's a bigger contest, that actually will help you out the bigger the contest gets. So that's something to consider. Bigger contest means you're probably going to need to take more chances and be correct with those uh, those risks. Um, another thing I've seen online, buying brackets. My personal idea is that buying brackets like from touts or from professional people who claim to be selling brackets, I think it's a really, really dumb idea. I would never give my bracket out for one reason. There's not like like in these contests, if you if you happen to buy a bracket and enter it in an ESPN contest with someone else who bought the bracket, the best you can do is split the winnings. So let's say that bracket ends up being so amazing you win the contest, you now split that winnings. And let's say 50 other people did it. Now you're splitting it 50 ways. That's why I never understood the the buying and selling of da- uh, of daily fantasy lineups, right? It's like these people who sell DFS lineups. Hey, buy our lineup. We got this awesome lineup for tonight. It's like, what? Wh- there's no advantage because there's very few contests to enter. There's a DraftKings one, the FanDuel ones, obviously specific. Now you can play head-to-heads, things like that, but... It's so dumb buying those contests or buying a bracket when we're all entering the same contest largely. If you're going to enter the million dollar challenge, like I said this yesterday, I recommend entering all these free challenges. Why not? They're free to sign up. You win real money, real prizes. It's the the value of, of, or it's the definition of value. So don't buy any of these brackets, right? That's very dumb. You know, for for a lot of reasons, You're, you're not gaining any EV really by doing it for all, all the, you know, the, the stuff that happens in the tournament anyway. So that's another thing. Buying brackets is not a great idea. Uh, another thing to consider when, when filling out a bracket, what kind of people are in your contest, right? Um, now, this applies more and more the smaller the contest because for an ESPN-style contest, you're going to get all different kinds of people. You're going to get the pros, the middle people, the the, the dummies, the autofills, all that. But if you're in a smaller contest, like a class or an office or even up to like 20, 30 people, Think about what kind of people are in there. Are they are they like hardcore basketball fans? Because what you'll get if they're hardcore college football fans is they're going to be less likely to do uh, the, the crazy stuff, right? They're going to follow the book. There's narratives that have been built in all year that a lot of us who haven't watched basketball or at least college basketball a lot this year are just now getting into. So we don't follow those narratives. A lot of us don't know about these teams or certain things like that where the hardcore fan will. So consider it. It's all about game theory, right? What are they going to pick and how can we use it to our advantage? Now, obviously, if, it, if it's like, uh, well, you know, they're probably going to pick UCLA over UNC Asheville. It's like, well, no kidding. We're not going to be all crazy with it and pick UNC Asheville just to be different. But that's, that's something to consider. How, you know, what are the other people like? Are they sports bettors? <laughs> is it a bunch of me in there? Is it going to be like, you know, meta stuff? Or is it an office pool? What kind of people? are in the contest. So consider those things. If you want to win your contest or win your brackets, consider those. I would also fill out several, right? Fill out, fill out a couple different ones. It's always fun to have several different ones. If you're in a tournament, let's say like you can fill out maybe up to three, fill out up to three. Oh, well, that's actually a different thing. I'm glad I brought that up. If you are in a contest where you're allowed up to three, you have to do up to three if you want to maximize your chances. Now, I know it may get pricey or expensive, but think about it. It's just like the daily fantasy thing. You ever notice like these lineup or these daily fantasy games where it says max 150 lineups and some of you some of you out there like enter two or three lineups? Do you know what a disadvantage you're at to everyone out there who's doing it professionally entering all 150? I mean, those chances of them winning compared to you, it's it's crazy. Same thing here. If you have the chance, it's, it's simple math, right? The more, you know, the more rods you have in the in the ocean the more fish you're going to catch so 
Same thing here. If you're in a contest that says you can enter up to three times, if you want to max your chances of winning, enter up to three times because there's going to be other people who do and they're going to increase their increase their chances greatly against everyone who hasn't entered up to those uh, the three times. And then finally, just sort of an idea for for, you know, the Cinderella story thing. There will be upsets. There's going to be a couple upsets and there's going to be a couple great stories, but don't go crazy with the upsets. Also, it's very rare for the Cinderella teams to make it past like the Sweet 16. So you may get a St. Peter's, a VCU, whatever it may be, um, but don't, you know, usually not get into the Elite Eight, especially not the Final Four. All right, let's get to betting these things, betting these games, uh, game by game, day by day, because to me, that's where a lot of the fun is. Now, following the bracket, obviously, that's great, but live betting these games, being able to bet during the day, being able to bet at night, that's what's so fun, I think, during these uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever it is, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, coming up this week. So um, a couple tips and recommendations for betting. Uh, The first one is don't fall in love with the bracket rankings. Okay, if there's an eight against a nine, don't say, well, you know, the eight is a little bit higher, you know, a little higher seed or a seven against a 10. Don't just say, well, the seven's uh, obviously that seven's are, uh, seven for a reason and the 10's a 10 for a reason. You know, don't fall in love with those seeds. There's plenty of teams, I believe, that are overseeded, underseeded, you know, all that stuff. So don't fall in love with the bracket rankings. Uh, I think what you should fall in love with, if anything, is is the Ken Palm rankings. We talk about that all the time. Uh, Ken Palm is a uh, it's a service that you can see online, uh, just KenPalm.com, and you can see the total rankings for free to go into into depth for each individual matchup and each team. You need to have the paid subscription, but I trust those rankings a lot more than these seedings. So, uh, also, if you're going to bet, well, for the bracket too, this kind of goes for both. Check out the injuries. There's been a lot of injuries recently in the conference tournament, last part of the year, that are going to impact these teams greatly. And there's a lot of teams getting players back who were gone for a lot of the year. And that may impact their seed as well, right? Let's talk about two examples. Tennessee just lost one of their best offensive players. He makes their team go, um, handles the ball a ton. They're not going to be the same offense. And they're already a shaky offense without him. So Tennessee is going to be a little bit down because of that. Uh, UCLA, losing a great defender. UCLA is the number one defensive efficiency team on Ken Palm, right? But you lose your best defender. He creates all those steals, all those, all that kind of chaos in the paint, like, or, or on the defensive side of the ball. Like, he is so influential to that defense. Of course, UCLA is going to be a different team without him. So that's an example of, you know, players who were there all year. Now they're gone. How are they going to respond? Uh, look at Duke. Duke, for a lot of the year, didn't have their whole roster, right? They were banged up, barely had, you know, I, I believe the record is, I think I heard Jay Billis say, 17-1 and one Duke is with their healthy starting five. So look at injuries, both who's gone, who's back, and how it's going to impact these teams moving forward. Um, This one, I've got a little note here, a little side note to bring up, and I think this is really important. You know how yesterday on the show, and we've talked about this in the past, independent events and how we shouldn't look at like independent events that are that have no relation to something prior. We shouldn't get caught up playing streaks, playing hot or cold streaks. And this happens in Vegas, right? Whether it's roulette or you're flipping coins. Oh, you know, it's flip 10 heads in a row. Of course, it's bound to be a tail soon or roulette spins, right? It's been 10 reds in a row. It's bound to be black soon. You know, obviously we know, you know, being, you know, thinking smartly about statistics and trying to, you know, play our way through this, obviously that has no impact on future results, right? So if we're going to bet on roulette, don't worry about what happened in the past. If you're betting on flipping coins, don't worry about what happened in the past. 
that actually does not apply with these games in the tournament. Okay, so believe it or not, it may seem like each game is like an independent event, which it is, obviously. But we can learn things the more that more games are played. And an example here would be uh, if a conference, if one individual conference starts playing very poorly or, or very, very elite, we can now learn, okay, maybe we're, we were overlooking or underplaying this conference in the regular season, right? Because there's so much, it's so conference heavy, college basketball is, especially the second half of the season when these teams are really starting to gel and play well, that we don't really know you know, how good are these teams? Because the Big Ten, there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, the Big Ten teams are going to look like shit. Come playoff time, Big Ten and the ACC may get exposed. And the Big 12 and the SEC may look pretty good, right? There's people who are saying that. I'm not necessarily saying that, but that that, that that's a, a narrative right now that's building up pre-tournament. And so I, I do agree with this, though. Let's say the Big Ten starts off 0-2 or 0-3 against the spread, and they look awful in those games. And what we're starting to hear, the Big Ten may not, or the, 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 actually, the Big Ten may not be a great example. Yeah, let's just go with that. The Big Ten is not as great as we thought, blah, blah, blah. Well, now that third or fourth Big Ten game or Big Ten team to play, there's actually, statistically, looking back historically, a higher chance of that team not covering, right? Now, this is nuanced. It's not exactly direct. It's more about, you know, it's not a super, super strong correlation because, and we're not going to get into a whole, you know, math class on correlation, but I, I think that people don't look correctly at correlation and what it truly is. And I think that it's for one reason. My theory is it's because of that dumb quote, oh, correlation isn't causation. Correlation isn't causation. It's like, that's like, this isn't who's saying it is, right? No one's saying it is causation. They're of course, wildly different things. I think that's like a, like a high school algebra one phrase that got stuck in a lot of people's heads that now makes people think differently about correlation. Because what I believe is it makes people now say, if it's not causing something, then correlation, just like a fabrication, it's not real, right? The, the, the thing that we always learned in class wasn't, wasn't it like, uh, uh, what was it like drownings and, and and ice cream or something? The more ice cream that is eaten, there's like more drownings. And it's like, well, no kidding. It's summer. So there's more drownings because more people are swimming in the pool and more people are eating ice cream, right? Just because they're correlated doesn't mean it's caused. I think that because people think of it that way, they don't understand in general that correlation is still affecting the outcome of other independent events. And correlation is actually a scale. Right, correlation, mathematically speaking, we can do a little math class now. Mathematically speaking, correlation appears as a value, and the value is in between negative one and one. Negative one is an exact negative correlation, and positive one is an exact positive correlation. But most most things we deal with, especially in sports betting, aren't a one or a negative one. They're somewhere in the scale. So if something's really strongly correlated in sports betting, it may show up on my data as like a 0.8, right? So that would be the correlation between something happening in, in any given sporting event. You know, that's why you hear correlation thrown around all the time on these betting shows or whatever it may be on ESPN. It's like, you know, there may be some correlation coming up. It's like, what do you mean there may be some correlation? It's not, that's not, you're, you're not using it correctly. Correlation is an exact number that we can calculate for any given event. So back to the correlation thing of, of, of conference teams in the tournament. Remember that as we start to see these conferences and these teams play. Now, it's not a guaranteed thing, right? If the Big Ten starts off 0-3 against the spread and you bet the fourth team against them and they win, don't, don't you know, send me a direct message on Twitter. Hey, you, you fucking moron. I can't believe you said, right? It's not like a guaranteed thing. It just should go into your handicapping. 
It should be another aspect that plays into your handicapping. The more we see in this tournament, these non-conference games, the more we actually learn about the conferences. And the more we can use that to our advantage, the more we see in the tournament. So I think that's important to remember. Um, something that is it's probably not going to be discussed a whole lot, but it's very, it's very true. The more we see, the better we can do in the future if, you, if you're paying attention. This next one may seem obvious, but do your research, right? A lot of these teams who may be underseeded 12, 13s, if you're going to pick the right upset, you have to know the good 12s and the good 13s. And I think there is a strong difference, okay? I, I'm not going to go exactly team by team, but, you know, uh, uh, Kent State. Kent State's one of these really good teams. They can shoot. They can, I mean, they don't rebound particularly well, but they do a lot of things very, very efficiently. They're 28 and 6. They're 15 and 3. They have one of the longest winning streaks in the country, right? So a team like that, Kent State, you know, they may beat Indiana in the first round. That's a that's a 13 4 matchup, okay? It's not likely. The spread right now, I think Indiana's favored by like, I actually don't have it on the top of my head, but uh, I think they're favored by six or so, something like that. But either way, there are certainly favorites in this game. But Kent State may win, and a lot of people go, whoa, Kent State, where'd that come from? Can't believe it. It's like, well, this is actually a good team. You know, college basketball is a little bit different. You get some teams who we don't hear about all year long, you know, the, these sort of Cinderella teams, and they're actually pretty good. You know, it's like if you've been watching, there's a reason they're 28 and 6 this year. You know, so it may seem obvious, right? Do your research, but do do some homework on these teams. A lot of these teams are actually underseeded as a 12, 13, a 10, 11. And look at Utah State. Utah State is ranked 18th, according to KenPalm.com. They're a 10 seed. So, you know, that th- that does matter. Again, I'm not guaranteeing Utah State even wins the first round against Missouri, even though I've got them in my bracket, but... You know, that that does matter. There's teams who are underseated who we may not have ever heard of before. Make sure you're doing your homework on how good they are. Uh, another tip, this one, you've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. Bet singles, especially this tournament. Don't go crazy with these parlays and greatly diminish your chance of winning a little bit of money, right? And what we'll see a lot of the times in these tournaments is the money line favorite parlay. You'll take a whole bunch of minus 300s, a whole bunch of one seeds and two seeds together, you know, and, and I just don't recommend that. Bet the singles, go with that. It's much better odds for you to at least win a little bit of money or win some money betting with the singles instead of try, trying to parlay all these games together. And then finally, this actually goes for both. This is a more of a, a general idea that's going to lead into my thoughts for the tournament. So this does lead on the actual court, what we can see X's nose, uh, strength on strength, and then strength versus weakness. When you get a team that rebounds well, plays gritty, is a big team, going against a team that rebounds well, is gritty, and is a big team, when you have strength on strength, uh, strength on strength, generally talent wins. Okay, so w- when you get a three fourteen matchup, right, a fourteen against a three, and they both do the same thing well, I don't like to pick the fourteen there. Those aren't the upsets I like to pick. I like to pick when you get a strength versus weakness, a team that's generally big, rebounds well, likes to muddy it up against maybe one of these smaller teams or or teams uh, from a smaller conference that doesn't have a lot of size, doesn't have a lot of, of rebounding ability, but they're quick. They play five out, right? Five people on the three-point line, and they can shoot all of them, can shoot threes, right? Those are the games I like to pick because you get a very different approach, a different, a different style. And on the other side of that, if you get that different style, 
in conference, that may actually diminish what we see during the season because if you play that way, everyone in the conference knows. So everyone's preparing for it, right? Well, in the, in the tournament, they've just learned who they're playing a couple days ago. How, how prepared can you be for a very, very different offense you may have not seen all year? So strength versus strength, talent's going to win. Strength versus weakness, now we have really interesting matchups where we can uh, find some upsets. All right, my thoughts on the overall uh, tournament, like some individual teams, some specific situations. Let's talk about some underseeded and overseeded teams. Um, Duke is going to be a team you hear a lot about. Let's start with Duke. Duke is a five seed in the, what region are they in? Duke is in the East region. And a lot of people are picking Duke. And to be completely 100% honest, before I heard a lot of other people on Duke, I actually had Duke, the five seed, coming out of this, uh, the East. They were my lowest seed, the five seed, going into the Final Four. And here's the reason why. I think Duke uh, got a good draw with the bracket they're in. You know, Tennessee, the four seed, who they may see second round, or Louisiana, I think is a very good matchup. Uh, they've got the weakest, in my opinion, the weakest three seed in the tournament, Kansas State in their in their tournament in their uh, bracket, and Marquette, a two seed. I think they have a, this is a very good team. I know Marquette does a lot well, but it's not a great matchup for Duke, who if they do end up meeting, it would be in the Elite Eight. They rebound. They they don't rebound very well. I think Duke can really keep up on the outside with defense. Kentucky's in the bracket. Uh, Michigan State, like we're talking really big names big coaches, but I think Duke has the advantage against all these teams, at least right now, given what the spread would be and the situations that they would run into. Now, Purdue, the one seed, is going to be the popular pick. There's going to be the majority of people are going to have Purdue coming out of the bracket, and I get it. It's not like they're a one seed for a reason. This isn't like some huge fate of Purdue, but Duke, in their situation, I just think that it's really interesting that they're a five seed. Now, I I mentioned this earlier in the show. Duke was without... Several of their players, their most important players, for a large chunk of the season. And again, I think it was Jay Bills that said this: seventeen and one is their straight up record with a healthy starting uh, starting five. So Duke is playing very well right now. Obviously, it's Duke; they have the talent to to you know compete with anyone in the country. Interesting first round matchup because they got Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts, this sucks for both teams. Like, because Duke, you know, you know, teams don't deserve anything. But it's like, I can't believe Duke got stuck with, like, maybe the best 12 seed in the last decade in, in, in this tournament. And I'm not exaggerating. Oral Roberts is is good. This is a good team. I think they got such a middle finger from the committee here getting Duke in the first round. Because Oral Roberts, who went undefeated in the Summit, 30-4 uh, and four overall, this team does so many things. I mean, I'm just so impressed with Oral Roberts. Unfortunately, I think Duke probably wins that matchup, but that's going to be a tough first-round matchup for Duke. After that, they get Tennessee, Purdue, so it is a, you know, I actually think like Duke gets Tennessee a decent amount, but it's not going to be the easiest road for Duke, for sure, but I think they are underseeded with that five. Um, Utah State, mentioned them earlier as well. They got the 10 seed in the uh, south bracket. They're going to be playing Missouri in the first round. I think that this is just a, uh, I think this is more about the Mountain West Conference, right? I think the Mountain West is a little bit underrated, which I don't get because you look at different, you know, season long rankings, different power rankings, and the Mountain West is right up there right now with like the, they're like a low end ACC. Okay. The ACC was not very impressive this year either. So I don't think the Mountain West, who plays very physical, very, everyone can rebound in the Mountain West. Everyone plays defense in the paint in the Mountain West. Like, 
There are some underrated teams coming out of the Mountain West, I think. And Utah State being 18th overall in Ken Palm's ratings, that's just something I had to bring up as a 10 seed. All right, um, overseeded teams that I think are a little bit higher seeded than maybe they deserve. And these are a little nitpicky, I'll admit. But uh, I'm going to go Indiana and Virginia. Uh, Indiana, I have not been impressed this, this season when I've watched them. I think they, they, they've they got a lot of talent, a lot of players who've been there for a while, but I don't trust the coaching staff. And I know NBA, a lot of NBA years in the coaching staff, but I don't trust them. And I think that they're a little overrated. Uh, same thing with Virginia. Look at their advanced stats. You look at the the schedule they played, how they play. Furman's got a good chance to upset Virginia in the first round. Watch out. I think Virginia's got a little bit of an inflated... You know, if Virginia was the two seed going into the ACC tournament, that says a lot about what the ACC was this season. So uh, Virginia, I think, is a little overseeded. And then uh, tough routes to, to look at. A couple of teams where be careful picking these teams to go to the Final Four because they're going to be, I think, somewhat popular. And they're both two seeds uh texas texas is in the midwest division or the midwest uh bracket and they've just got a tough route now i think they take care of business against colgate which isn't colgate a toothpaste like i don't know if they can play basketball uh i'm just kidding obviously colgate's not a bad team uh but uh, texas has colgate to begin with then they got texas a&m a good team from the uh, sec second round i think or penn state but i got a&m and then they've got either Iowa State or Xavier. I mean, I think that Texas is going to have a tough route to the Elite Eight. And if they do get to the Elite Eight, they're going to get a Houston team, I believe, that may be the best team in the tournament. So uh, Texas is going to have a tough route. If you're picking them to go to the Final Four, just be careful. I'm not saying they can't do it. They may do it. Texas is a good team. They ended up winning the Big 12 against a couple, you know, they had some big, big performances in that tournament. But be careful, tough route. And then UCLA. I mentioned earlier they lost their best defender. So that's obviously going to impact the way they play because they're a very defensive team. And they get Northwestern or Boise State round two. Uh, they're going to get TCU or Gonzaga. Two offenses, especially Gonzaga's offense, that that could cause them problems. Like That's the thing. UCLA would be a good matchup with Gonzaga with a full healthy team being able to play the defense they do. I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think UCLA, unfortunately, a bit of a tough route. Now, again, like I said with Texas, don't, you know, don't just, I don't want to hear, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to hear it. If you, if you pick UCLA to lose second round and they end up going to the elite eight, you know, they're a good team. I just don't think they do right now as well as what's gotten them here. Um, And then just to give you all an idea of who I have in my elite eight right now. Now I'm going to fill out several brackets again, depending on how big the contest is. I'm in a lot of different contests. So whether it's a huge contest, a small contest will uh, impact how I fill these things out. But right now, if I'm filling a general one out for, let's say like a, a, a several hundred person tournament, like, like I'm planning on maybe like three to 500 for this one. This is my elite eight right now. I've got Alabama and Arizona from the South. I almost had San Diego State and Arizona. I just think Alabama has good matchups because they run. Alabama is going to run these teams out of the gym. West Virginia, San Diego State, who I'm projecting they play, just don't do the same things very well. So I think Alabama, by default, I've actually kind of been fading Bama against the spread, but by default, I think Alabama is going to get there. And Arizona, I like Arizona this tournament. You know, Arizona, they get Utah State round two, I think, and then probably Baylor round three. But this is a good team, and no one talks enough Pac-12 basketball. This is a very, very good team. I like Arizona and uh, Alabama there in that uh, bracket. Going to the south, I'm going to, or uh, that was the south. Going to the east, I'm going to take Duke, like I mentioned. And then 
it's really interesting. I, I could have a lot of teams at the bottom end of this. I mentioned Marquette earlier. They do a lot of stuff well. Michigan State always has a chance to get hot with Tom Izzo. You got Kansas State, Kentucky. So I, this is my weakest pick of any team in the Elite Eight right now. Like, like I don't have enough confidence in this one. But I'm going to go Kentucky. I think there's a chance they could catch the the, the most fire. If I'm going to fade Kansas State, I think Kentucky could take him out. And then I think we could get, a, could get an interesting uh, Sweet 16 matchup, okay? Because... If Michigan State can beat Marquette in the second round, and if Kentucky can beat Kansas State in the second round, now we're looking at a 6-7 matchup in the Sweet 16 on the bottom end. Okay, so these are all just hypotheticals, but I think Duke-Kentucky is a uh, possibility there in the Final Four. (laughs) I don't know if any of you can hear my dog, Layla. Um, We got a coyote that's right outside our house, and it's hysterical. He'll like come by and... He like walks on the actual path that all the people walk on. So sometimes my dog will let me know when the coyote's out there. But uh, she's pretty good. She doesn't like bark a whole lot in general. As you can tell, I do this podcast all the time from from my office here. But uh, all right. Uh, so we've got so far um, in the south I've given out. I've got Alabama, Arizona. In the east, I've got Duke and Kentucky, the 5-6. Interesting there in the east. Going to the west, I've got Kansas and uh, let's see here. I've got Kansas and Gonzaga. As I mentioned earlier, it was interesting. I was going back and forth for a while about Kansas and UCLA. That was my matchup for a while. But once the news came through about UCLA's defender, all that defensive issues that I think UCLA may may have in that game, we're going to go Kansas and Gonzaga in the West in the bracket. And then finally, the Midwest, I'm going to take Houston. And I'm going to do something interesting for the other team. I'm going to take Iowa State. Uh, now again, this is kind of like my, uh, my Kentucky pick where I don't have a lot of confidence in this one, but Iowa state, I like their, their path here. And I think they're very underrated because the big 12 this year was really good. A lot of great teams in the big 12 that beat up on each other, but, um, Iowa state would get Xavier, I think in the second round, going to be a tough matchup and then potentially Texas there in the sweet 16, but Iowa State would match up well against Texas and Xavier. Now, there's a chance they may be a little fatigued by that point, but this is a good team. Anything can sort of happen at that point, I believe. And I I mentioned earlier, I think Texas is going to have a tough route, so I'm kind of fading the Longhorns at some point. So I'm going to take Houston and Iowa State coming out of the Midwest for my uh, Elite Eight. So those are right now my Elite Eight teams in that bracket. Alabama, Arizona, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Gonzaga, and Houston, Iowa State. So kind of gives everyone an idea where my head's at right now. Now, look, things may change in the next 12 hours, 16 hours for me, for sure. So, you know, I'm going to look at some, look a little more here or there, but stay tuned. I'm sure I may have some thoughts on some picks or some some things against the spread, whether it's the first round or second round. So I'm sure we're going to have that in the next couple of days. But hope you learned something from this. Hope this all helped you fill that bracket out or win a couple more bets during March Madness. So uh, good luck. Whatever you have going on today, tonight, fill those brackets out. Get all the last-minute changes in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.